Wake up, Lincoln. Come on, it's 6 o'clock. Rise and shine, rise and shine. It's time for Early Break with Sip and Jake. Brought to you by Gaina Trucking. Live from the Coppel Chevrolet GMC Studios in the heart of Lincoln, America. Here's 93.7 at tickets, Jake Sorensen. Did seem kind of meh. And Steve Sipple. Surprisingly good. This is Early Break with Sip and Jake. Sponsored by Gaina Trucking. Welcome back to Hour 2 on a Thursday. Steve Sipple is somewhere in Peoria, Illinois, I think on the way back. Uh, I'm Jake Sorensen. I'm in Muscatine, Iowa. I didn't want to travel 10 hours back last night after three hours of sleep. Uh, Nick Sainert with us in studio. Thanks to Nick for joining, for being here and board hopping and helping out today. It is also, I see Mike Schaefer in the building. Schaefer, what's going on, man? How are you? Oh, I'm just reveling in the fact that I've had no <laughs> transportation issues or I got plenty of sleep because I didn't go to Big Ten Media Days. And if I did go, I sure wouldn't have stayed for day two. Yeah. Where absolutely nothing of any substance mattered. To me, just saying, pat myself on the back, nice yes. and firm today. I'm, I'm sure you are, Schaefer. I'm, I'm sure you're well rested. Uh, but you also got experience. Another thing you love is which is Fan Day on Tuesday night. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, don't pat yourself too hard, okay? It was a glorious 45 minutes of Fan Day. I got in. I took about 714 photos that I'm still labeling at this point. And uh, yeah, I mean. You know, you win some, you lose some. As I told somebody the other day, we are past the spring game. Yes. We are past media days. We're past fan day. I'm ready to go. Like this You're is, ready to roll, baby. We, we got all the stuff I don't care about out of the way. I'm, I'm ready. It's fall camp. Let's do well, it. I'm, I'm glad that you're up and at it this morning. Uh, again, this hour is sponsored by Trek CBD, 84th and Highway 2. Uh, Sip will be back tomorrow. Like I, I told Nick uh, Schaefer, just to kind of, I'm gonna read the text again, just so you you know the exact situation. So first of all, I don't know if you heard about on, on Monday they were they were tr- they were flying from Omaha to Charlotte, and then they were gonna f- go from Charlotte to Indianapolis. Made it to Charlotte, and then the flight from Charlotte got canceled, and so they had to you know you know they had to find a way to get to Indy, and so they found a flight to Cincinnati. At like they got to like at 12:30 in the morning. Took a while to rent a car, and they got to India like at three thirty in the morning Eastern time for an eight thirty a.m. Eastern time event. So Sit missed like the first hour, ten minutes of our show, but showed up. And then yesterday they're supposed to fly from India, I think, to Minneapolis, and then down to Omaha. And he said this at about nine o'clock last night: the plane in Indianapolis had smoke in the cockpit. No crap. So we're driving to Peoria tonight. Rest of the way tomorrow. I'll see you on Friday. That is the whereabouts of Steve Sippel and why he has had a hellacious time with flights these past couple of days. Yeah, flying, not a great it's experience. It's tough right now. Yeah, I mean, I moment. guess driving is the way to go. So yeah. Brunson, be- uh, Brunson, BC surprised me. I thought they were flying out on Monday, and, and Brunson calls me. He's like, no, we're on the road. And yep. he explained it, and <laughs> seemingly the decision they made was the correct one because they got home yesterday, no issue. They got out there on Monday, no issue. Their their vehicle didn't have any smoke in the <laughs> the driver and passenger side in the front. So well, no, I, I'm just uh, glad everybody's good and okay. Yeah. And uh, you know, Steve will be back tomorrow. I'm sure. Yep. And well I'll rested be too. and ready to go. I'll be. We'll both be back in the studio tomorrow. It'll be great. Where, we'll get, where are you at again? Oh yeah, I'm. I'm. Uh, 
Thank you for asking. I am currently uh, in the upstairs of my uh, cousin's house in Muscatine, Iowa. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was random enough that it felt like you had to have a reason to be there. Well, I was telling Nick, I'm like, I, I probably could have maybe made it all the way back last night, but I would have got back at like midnight and uh, on three hours of sleep after waking up so early. I, I feel like I've, I've made long drives before. I, I'm not scared of 10 hours. It's the fact that I, I didn't leave. Indy until like you know two thirty or three. Uh, that's a, that makes for a long day in an early morning. So I'd rather have Nick help us out. Me, you know, get some rest, drive back today, and so yeah, I'm in an upstairs room in Muscatine, Iowa. Which, is, if you're curious where that's at, it's it's very near the Quad Cities, uh, Eastern Iowa. Um, you know, neck, near the Illinois, so that's where we're at. But so, we're did, what was the conversation like with your cousin? Is this an individual you talk to a lot, or is this someone no, that's like great... <laughs> on the far flung side of the family tree? No. <laughs> Another great question, Schaefer. Uh, <laughs> well, that's, you know, I'm, this is what the people yeah, want to know. Yeah, you are the ultimate question asker. Uh, so, so the cousin, yeah, I, I, I called him on the way out here. Uh, oh, I guess on Monday, I called him, and I had probably talked to him on the phone in, I don't know, four years maybe, or talked to him in general in four years. Um, and I said, hey, uh, I'm going to be in Muscatine on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Any chance I can stay at your place? Here's here's the best part of the, the, best part of the story. Like, I'm in a house. Like, he, he's bu- he bought a new place, and so this current house we're in um, – like they're doing a bunch of renovations to it, trying to get it ready to sell. And so, like, like upstairs, there's it, this is like a it's a house for ants, basically. It's you got to duck everywhere you go. Mm. Like, um, like I, I can't go very many, many places in the house where I, I'm not ducking to not hit my head on the ceiling. Um, and I'm in the upstairs right now, and like all these doors, like they took the the knobs off so if i close them i'm gonna get stuck in here so i'm like they're all propped open Incredible. so they don't latch <laughs> so yeah that's where we're at uh, this is exactly <laughs> what i thought muscatine illinois would be like it's a nice they got some nice restaurants and they got a nice brewery on the river oh, okay um, i think you'd enjoy it. it's it's a place if you ever get down here check it out if you ever been to muscatine let us know in the text line am i, am I the only per- john in des moines if you're listening john in des moines or jason in des moines you ever been to muscatine iowa i know i'm sure you have <laughs> Four six four five six eight five. I want to know. I want to do. I want to know. All right, uh, Schaefer. Before we get to fall camp, I'm curious. Um, Tuesday at media days, people. There are so many different uh, comments about you know opening statement lack thereof or if it's fine. Where do you stand on Scott Frost going to the podium and saying I just want no no statement, just questions? Do you ha- do you have a take? Or are you are you annoyed by all of it? Uh, I. I, it doesn't bother me any, but I mean, in large part, I can't sit here and tell you that I think Media Days has little to no value and then turn around and be upset when someone doesn't do something exactly as I want. So I find that sure. I find that hypocritical. So yep. I guess in large part because nothing that was going to be said by Scott Frost at Media Days was largely going to stand out to me. Um, the fact he didn't say anything shouldn't also stand out to me. As it relates to the opening statement, so I just want to I want to okay. be consistent with that. Right. So I it didn't bother me any. Um, you know, I thought there was at least a few different conversation topics that got hit on where maybe he could have expanded a little bit more. But that's just sort of where a he is and b the program is as they they go into uh, you know a really important month to to try to get ready for this very important game over in Ireland. 
Yeah, I mean, it's hard to believe. I was talking to Nick earlier. I mean, right now we are we are officially less than one month away from that. I know. Yesterday, I mean, it Randolph yes, Goodbye Day. If you're doing a Husker I, countdown, like I just broke this <laughs> morning before I came in. Yeah, yesterday was was a, a month. Now we're under a month. It's crazy. It's going to be here before you know it. And we were talking, Schaefer. I mean, it was mentioned a little bit by Scott Frost at Media Days, but I'm curious with you. So, I mean, he he did mention he did admit that Casey Thompson, we expect, enters fall camp. You know, taking the the reps at, at one at quarterback, do you do you expect a battle there at all, or do you think that Casey is is expected to be the starter and will be that unless something you know crazy happens either with him or an uprise of somebody else? Yeah, I expect Casey Thompson to be the starter. I think he was brought here uh, by Mark Whipple to be the starter. I think that Chubba Purdy is going to try to push him as much as he can. Uh, and, you know, maybe he ultimately wins that job out, but I don't think it'll happen game one in Ireland. I think Casey Thompson is going to get the first opportunity. I think that's the direction that uh, this thing has pointed for a while. And, you know, I, I understand if you're Nebraska, you want to make sure that guys are motivated going into fall camp. So you don't necessarily just come out and say, this is our guy. This is unequivocally what we're going to do. So I, I get it. Like, OK, you let Casey and, and Chuba and Logan Smothers and whomever else, Heinrich Harburg, Matt Masker, uh, Jared Sinek, Richard Torres. I don't yeah, know if bring I'm them all on. All of them. Keep going. Oh, they were Keep all going. sitting there at uh, Fan Day when Mike Schaefer dropped by to take photos. So, no. Um, you know, <laughs> sure got good ones too. I, I, you got to let them all. The you got to let them all attempt to compete. But I, I think we know where this is headed, and I think Casey Thompson's going to at least get the first opportunity. That doesn't mean he'll be the starter against Iowa. Uh, he's got to earn that, you know, continually. He's got to earn it at practice during the week, and then he's got to earn it on game day. Right. Uh, you know, starting right there with Northwestern, because I don't, I don't think Chubba Purdy's going to go anywhere. He had, he had a fine spring game. He's a confident kid. He comes from a family where the expectation is that they're going to start, and that's what his brother did over at Iowa State. And that's what his goal is here at Nebraska. Whether it's you know game one or, or game twelve, he's going to be in that mindset, and I think that's good. I someone on my message board pointed this out, and I I agree with it, and I'm sure it's been said by others. I just haven't thought of it in a while Nebraska is probably in the best depth situation quarterback wise that they've had in a while where they they have people that you know we don't know exactly what they are but I think that they trust both short and long term if anything were to happen with Casey Thompson that they have some options to go to that it doesn't dramatically impact their ability to go out and compete in football games um, also from, from media days, uh, there's a lot of questions for Scott Frost regarding what his role is going to be with Mark Whipple, you know, as the coordinator. I, I, I think there's a weird assumption, Schaefer, that, that Frost just steps back and does nothing. He's like, no, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, I'm taking a, a little bit of a step back. I'm going to be in part of all the different groups. Like, what are, what, what are people expecting that he's going to do? This year, that, well, they're that expecting maybe, what has yeah. been said by him sometimes, yeah. by other people in terms of wishful thinking. I mean, the whole sort of CEO thing means that you're not necessarily putting all of your eggs into one section of this football team. I mean, I I don't think it means that he's going to pull out a lawn chair and a cooler and sit there at the fifty yard line <laughs> and just you know that'd be kind of fun. Hammer a few bush lights and and just kind of scan the practice field. I mean, he's still going to be involved, but I, I tend to think that Mark Whipple came here under the idea that he was going to kind of be the one running the offense, that this was sort of, 
you know, what Scott Frost was giving to him and that Frost was going to be involved in terms of collaboration, and that's what he said. But I think it's Mark Whipple's offense, and it's Scott Frost's team. And this isn't that hard to, you know, this isn't like a dramatically difficult thing to figure out. We've seen other coaches do this before where they have offensive coordinators and they are indeed the head coach. I mean, so I I think he's going to have, obviously, input on everything that happens with that team. But I think it's, you know, going in, Mark Whipple's designing the game plan along with what Scott Frost sees and thinks when he's watched film. Uh, and they're going to work together with it. But I, I think it's it's the hallmarks of, of Mark Whipple's offense with Scott Frost as a head coach. I mean, the the idea of allowing him to be able to be visible and doing other things means that it frees him up. Instead of working directly with the quarterbacks or working on quarterback run game or whatever, he can go over and, uh, you know, watch what's going on with the defense. He can watch what's happening with Mickey Joseph and the wide receivers. During the special teams period, maybe he can take on a little bit more involved role in the worst part of Nebraska's team at the moment. So, uh, you know, there's there's lots of things that he could do. I, I, I do think his response to it sort of creates this idea that, like, people think that he's just going to absolve himself from everything. Right. Uh, I don't think that's the that's the indicate. I haven't gotten that indication from like media members. I, I think everyone sort of expects that he's you know he's the head coach. If he has input on a situation, he's going to be on the headset where he's like, "Hey, yep. I think you know we might want to look at a little bit of a power run game here. What do you think? What do you think we should call that kind of thing?" Like, I, I just I, I don't know. I, it doesn't have to be so black and white. Like it's not like yeah. he's you know rolling up the sleeves and in there teaching them how to run of football or he's just completely removed from it. I mean, there's, there's definitely some nuance. I have this weird, like recurring dream that oh, no. keeps happening. Yeah. Or like this visual and, and hear me out in this shape. I mean, cause I mean, Scott Frost has played Northwestern now several times and last year was probably his best play calling he's ever had. I mean, the, Nebraska just dominated Northwestern. In 50, well, when 60, everything works, Jake, <laughs> it looks amazing. Yeah. Right. But, but hear me out here. I mean, so we're going to this, this, you know, this new, situation this year where Mark Whipple's calling the plays. <laughs> I get this this weird kind of this cold this cold sweat about a fear that hey if they get off to a slow start offensively in Ireland against Northwestern, the team that you just killed last year, that Scott Frost might say, Hey man, I'm taking over. I'm, t- I'm calling I'm That's coming part back of in. the whole fascination. It, is is that is that something that you that could be a reality or am I just having this terrible dream that is unnecessary? No, I mean, I, I think that's part of the whole fascination with this this 2022 season. I mean, you got a guy coaching for his his career at Nebraska, yep. and he had to to give up part of this. Was he he gave up control? He gave up the thing that he's both been known for, which is play calling and offensive design. But if he's willing to do that, he probably has to take like a long term look at it that one game against Northwestern isn't likely going to be enough evidence one way or right. the other. Yep. And yeah, that's why that's why all of this is is, you know, unbelievably fascinating because you've got a Nebraska team playing a Power 5 team in a week 0 game in which its head coach is is giving up some of the offensive control to a guy who has a different system than what he ran and they've got different pieces all over the offensive board. They have different assistant coaches. I mean, the whole thing basically screams, hey, you know, whatever happens in Ireland, like, it's still going to take a few more weeks. Like, you, 
Yeah. They still like they could go score seventy-seven points against Northwestern. I don't think they're going to do it, but let's say that That'd be awesome. You know, they just that. go out in their gangbusters over in Europe. It doesn't necessarily mean that when they come back to play North Dakota and Georgia Southern that they won't have things to work on or that it's just going to instantly kick right in when they get here. I mean, this whole thing is a work in progress. I I think most fans understand that. I mean, it it could be really slow over there. I mean, you could have a quarter or two where you're still trying to figure it out because you know what you don't do in spring football and fall camp? You don't play other teams. And as we learned when Nebraska played Illinois – Sometimes other teams do things that you're not prepared for, so it takes a little yeah. bit of time, and I, I think that's got to be true with the offense too. I mean, I, I think, you know, if if there is some hesitation or if, if there is some concern with how things play out over against Northwestern, like there there shouldn't, in my mind, be a knee jerk reaction to it. But I, I think at some point, if the offense struggles the whole month of September and and August. Then it gets really kind of like, you know, Scott Frost has a pretty big decision on his hands as to how what he wants to do. But all of your personnel is starting to line up in one direction. So how much of a swing can you really make? Yep. I mean, you, you know, it's unless you're just like, all right, Logan, you're in. We're we're going back to the, the quarterback centric quarterback Superman offense. And I don't think anybody wants to see that. Yeah, I, I don't again, think they can win games that way. Right. That's what that's the, again, the concern also is the fact that, you know, how. How quick is that trigger to pull to a new quarterback if there are struggles? I mean, if Casey Thompson enters, you know, exits the fall practice, you know, by by being the clear starter, and he has a really bad game against Northwestern, whether it's a win or a loss, I mean, how quick is that trigger going to be to to go to Chuba or Logan if they if they performed well in fall camp? Yeah, well, and that's that's I mean, well, they get paid the money, right? <laughs> I mean, they they got to make that decision, and so uh, whether that is an easy one or a difficult one or made for him with injury or a slow start. Those are all the things that we're going to be watching throughout the month of September. I mean, if, assuming Nebraska can escape Dublin with a win, it yep. doesn't mean the storylines come anywhere near a screeching halt because they're only going to kick up and they're only going to get more interesting the deeper you get into the year. From the text line, 464-5685, Buffet Sun says, if Nebraska goes three and out to start the season, Frost will say to Whipple, I've seen enough. Flip me those sticks. I'm taking over. Yeah, I mean, if he does that, good luck. <laughs> It'd be terrible. If you have any comments or questions for Mike Schaefer, please call or text 464-5685. Uh, Schaefer, again, we are, we're into fall camp. So if, if quarterback is, is up there, is like me, up the, maybe the most interesting thing, is, is there something number two that you're most curious or fascinated about how it plays out in fall camp? I mean, there's – Again, no shortage of things. You <laughs> just options. start. You got options. You start on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, I I kind of want to know who these wide receivers are going to be. That that uh, Casey Thompson and Chubba Purdy and Logan Smothers and all the other quarterbacks. I'll spare everyone from naming uh, are going to be throwing to. I mean, so I it just again referencing my fan day experience, walking through the wide receiver line, and it's kind of like, well, don't really know that guy. Don't really know that guy. <laughs> hey, that's Marcus Washington. Don't know, know that, that guy man. either. Uh, you know, there's a lot that has to kind of be figured out here. And then you're sitting there and it's like, it's pretty hard for me not to see a way that a guy like Dakotas Crawford or Janarian Bonner ends up playing this fall. And so I, I think Nebraska has a number of wide receivers, uh, that are going to be pushing for playing time that are going to be pushing each other, but we don't really know if they have a best wide receiver yet. I think we all assume it's Trey Palmer because he's from the SEC and he had like 333 receiving yards and all these different things, but there's a difference between 
playing tough competition and in being a number one wide receiver. Samari Toure, Nebraska got very lucky last year they with did. Samari Toure. Oh, yeah. He was really good. Uh, you know, he showed up, and he was a professional. He was a guy that immediately knew what his role was going to be in that room. Uh, he helped make other people better, and he was an explosive playmaker on the field. Replacing that, you have to you have to figure out if, if Isaiah Garcia Castaneda or Trey Palmer or Marcus Washington can be that guy, and then the other ones have to slot in around him, and you still have Oliver Martin and Omar Manning and, and guys like that, and so Alante Brown and, and those freshmen that I talked about and, and the freshmen that are there before him. So um, they, they have to figure out. I mean, Mickey's got a, got a pretty tough job ahead of him. I mean, yeah. because you need these guys to be productive. In order for Casey Thompson to be good – He's got to have open receivers that he can throw to in stride that have to make plays when the ball is in their hand, too. So there's there's a lot that has to work for that whole offense to come together. You know, on the defensive side of the ball, and I, I think really more than quarterback play, more than Frost and Whipple, more than running backs or the offensive line, the biggest thing for me is going to be how do they come together in those two interior defensive line spots. I mean, I, I think the, the, the biggest unresolved thing – is how they stop the run because if they can, if they can just be average against the run this year, I think it plays into where their strengths are going to be. I actually don't have much of a question that they're going to be able to rush the passer, and I've started to come around to thinking That's they exciting. might have a uh, a pretty good secondary. Which, if you put the first part of what I said with the second part, that in itself could lead to that magical sort of sensation where the other team turns the ball over and you get it. I know it's really tough to imagine, but there used to be a time where Nebraska generated turnovers and droves, and maybe that happens again because they have a lot of talent in the secondary, and they have guys that have played, uh, and they have guys that I think could be all Big Ten players back there throw in a good pass rush, but you can't get to that point, Jake, if teams are able to run five yards every time. Yeah, yeah, there's a couple things. I'm no math genius, No, but what I do understand is if you get four downs to get ten yards and a team averages five yards a carry, they probably don't have to put it in the air a whole lot. No. And if they don't have to put it in the air a whole lot, the whole conversation about the pass rush is moot. So, all the way back to the beginning, I'm, you know, Ty Robinson is going to be one of those guys. Steven Wynn, for as much cachet as you get for playing against Alabama, or not playing against, but playing for Alabama, Four. he didn't, it's not like he's played a ton. He would be asked to, to really kind of excel at a, at a different role for him, which is why he came here. Devin Drew is not going to be on campus at least for another week yet, I believe. Uh, so he's going to get a, a little bit of a slow start. And then you don't really have – I mean, Nash Hutmacher's played a little bit. Um, and then you're into Ruquan Buckley and Marquise Black and Jalen Weaver, and those guys haven't played at all. Colton Feast is probably your uh, – your what? Your number four defensive tackle right now as you go into fall camp. And um, that's a guy that's been a really good practice player, really good scout team guy. Uh, he's given them some reps, you know, as well out there, but they're, they're thin and they need those guys to be productive. And the other thing that, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about the offense and the transition of, of frost offense to Whipple's offense. They're also switching to a four, three this year. Guys are playing in different roles for longer periods of time. What does it look like for Nick Henrich and Luke Reimer, who are both inside linebackers? I mean, if you're in a 4-3, how does that work? Which one's the yeah, outside absolutely. linebacker? How do they line up? Do they actually spend most of their time in a, in a you know, nickel package where you have Chris Kolarovic out there and you actually end up with three linebackers, and maybe that helps you against the run a little bit. But then how does Chris Kolarovic do when he has to cover, uh, you know, 
um, a slot wide receiver or a running back coming out of the backfield. And so there's there's a lot of questions to be answered with just the scheme and what they're doing over there too, but it all starts up front with those interior defensive linemen and how they handle the run. If you have any questions for Mike Schaefer, please call or text 402-464-5685 or comment on the Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and Twitter feeds. We'll have more next with Schaefer on early break on the ticket. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 455 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.